You're listening to the Cannabis Investing Network. Before we begin, a short disclaimer. The full disclaimer follows at the end of this episode. This podcast is a general communication and is being provided for entertainment and information purposes only. It is educational in nature and is not designed to be a recommendation for any specific investment strategy, plan, feature, or other purpose. Please enjoy responsibly. Hello and welcome back to the Cannabis Investing Network podcast. My name is Manish and let me wish all of you happy holidays. It is the most wonderful time of the year for cannabis investors. Welcome to earnings season and joining us today is Chris Kringle himself, the man who knows all about the red and green and is going to give presents to every cannabis investor. His name is Abby. (laughs) <laughs> ho 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 is probably what i should say instead <laughs> oh man chris kringle for earnings season you know what you know what'd be so hilarious manish if i could go back a year from now and mm-hmm. see if you would be just as enthusiastic about earnings season back then in 2020 august 2020 i don't think you would be um you know what's interesting i was thinking about this today i think i feel like earnings season although the results are a lot better now um, I feel like it mattered more back then. Like I, um, just for me personally, like I felt like I, I tracked it a lot more. I would like used to internally model kind of how the quarter was going to look. Um, and now it's just kind of like, yeah, you know, another great quarter. Yeah. And, and the, that's actually why I was going to say that was because I think you tracked it a lot more because if they missed before mm-hmm. you were seeing 40, 50% price declines, they could possibly go concern. Now they're a lot more like the companies have uh, healthier ba- balance sheets. They're, they've got more like they're larger companies. You don't see them going to zero. They could, but you don't see them mm-hmm. uh, going to zero as quickly. Um, so it's a little bit less risky, I would say. I think also the, uh, you know, when we were more focused on the Canadian market and, and you know, even a year ago, we were still, oh, I guess a year ago, we were pretty US focused. But I'm thinking back to kind of like 2019 days. Um, you know, the Canadian market was so volatile because it involves wholesaling into the provinces that, you know, each quarter was really like, you know, you when you're unwrapping this gift, quote unquote, you really don't know if you're going to get something great or if you're going to get a lump of coal, right? <laughs> like the fluctuations <laughs> were so much wilder, whereas these U.S. businesses uh, being, you know, consumer facing and having that retail uh, component to them, I think they've really established themselves as like, you know, stable CPG type businesses that just the results only really seem to go one way. Right. right. And and obviously that's great. Uh, but weirdly, it's less like less exciting, I guess. Like it's less of like a roulette or a crapshoot. You know what I mean? Yeah, I, I, I fully understand what you mean. And, you know, there's there's also a lot more transparency now in the market, too, um, I would I would say than where it was about a year and a year and a half ago. Uh, you know, you're seeing more me- meaningful press releases that kind of come out. Uh, but the other thing that I'm really noticing is that um, price sensitivity, right? You're not really seeing prices be that sensitive towards earnings season anymore. Yeah. And, and look, I mean, this is, uh, you know, the whole intro here was was because me and, you know, Abby and I were joking around before this started that, uh, you know, the the title of this episode is, you know, what the hell is wrong with my cannabis stocks? And you know, Abby, you you had a great point uh, when we started. I'm I'm letting you say your point. Oh, um, I don't even know what my point was. 
<laughs> By the way, you haven't said the date yet on the uh, on the podcast. Okay, it's Tuesday, yet. August tenth, twenty twenty one. Yeah. Um, and, and you know, Manish, I make so many great points that some one or two <laughs> of them do right. slip through the cracks. So, um, I I don't know which which one. This must be the wrong podcast. I'm yeah, on. exactly. <laughs> <laughs> so the the point you were making was that that you know it's a weird time because it's like all this good news, all this positive momentum, all these great earnings. And yet the price action on the cannabis stock seemed to be so negative. And yet, you know, back in the day, it was if you saw any kind of earnings like this, you know, when we when we had the momentum in the market and the wind was at our backs, I mean, the the results were massive. Yeah, I would agree with that. I, yeah, of course. I mean, I that's you would agree well. with your own point. I would I agree with my own. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> absolutely 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 i mean look the markets are definitely uh, we, sorry we just we've cracked the secret to agreeing on the podcast is i just have to reiterate your points and then and then you'll <laughs> and then i'll agree with you yes <laughs> yes that's uh that's we're off that to a good start today no for sure but no manish you're like look listen we're as we were chatting earlier that that's 100 the case right now and it's it's really weird to see right uh, and we've talked about this multiple times even whether it's been with guests or whether it's between the two of us about this whole decoupling of fundamentals to prices and it couldn't be further from the truth or sorry it couldn't be more truthful today mm -hmm. than mm -hmm. it has ever been mm -hmm. um you know we've seen a couple you know, a couple of the companies sort of released their earnings. They've been blockbuster earnings and the stock prices have barely budged. Yeah. Or, or in some cases they've gone down, right? I mean, that's it. So, you know, today, Tuesday night, uh, you know, so far we've seen Curaleaf, we've seen um, Ascend, we have seen Verano, we have seen Harvest, we have seen Acreage. All of these reports have been great. They've, they've varied from being, you know, very good to being excellent. And, uh, you know, we're still digesting them. So this is not a deep dive today on any of those reports. But it is just to say that clearly things are going well. And yet, you know, uh, when I when I read the market, when I when I get, you know, my finger on the pulse of sentiment, the sentiment is pretty crappy. And that's the the kind of discussion for today is what's going on, right? What is mm -hmm. wrong with these stocks that they're not behaving as people expect they should or that pe as people want them to, right? And, and I think that's kind of the agenda of digging in as to, you know, where did we get here to, how did we get here today, right? Um, how does psychology play a role in all of this? Uh, the role of uh, inefficient markets and, and what that really means. What are, you know, Abby, you mentioned transparency, like what is the, the you know lack of of information how does that manifest itself um and what are the real risks like what are the things that you should be worried about and and that you you know should really be thinking about and you know to the people who are understandably worried um mm -hmm. about their portfolios about maybe you know people who maybe overextended themselves and, and put too much money in it and are are really f uh, feeling the hurt and are and are scared um i say good you should be scared. Uh, investing is inherently a risky business. And the, especially in this industry, in a nascent industry, when you say to yourself, I have this all figured out. I know exactly what's going to happen next. You know, I'm the best. Uh, you know, this is a sure thing. That is the worst place to be, especially in this industry. So you should always be worried and always be asking yourself, what am I missing? What could go wrong? 
Yeah, exactly. And I mean, look, there's, that's a lot to unravel in one episode. Um, <clears throat> let's start with the first topic, I'd say. Yeah. So the first thing is, how did we get here? Right. So I'll just kick it off. It's important to remember. And if you go back and listen you know, to, to our episodes from over a year ago, right? I mean, I don't want to go too far back, but right, COVID, the market really got killed. Things were trading at really, really cheap valuations or just very cheap metric numbers uh, because there was a lot of uncertainty. No one knew what was going to happen in the world. And ultimately, people were very you know, tight on cash. They were holding onto their cash tightly. And over time, you know, the, the role of the Fed was to loosen that up, to get people moving again, to get people spending money, to get the, the wheels turning again. And they did a phenomenal job of that. And I'll always say, like, I completely underestimated their ability to do that and their ability to get the markets moving. And I sat in cash and watched the markets go up again, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and cannabis was a huge beneficiary uh, of COVID. And Boris talked about that uh, today, um, or sorry, yesterday on his call, that uh, it, it was a huge tailwind for for cannabis and, and the industry. Um, and so their fundamentals improved materially. Also, you know, people got be, uh, you know, investors came into the space for the first time. They, they had a very blessed investing career. And w- the one thing I kept saying, if you go back and listen, is I kept saying, look, I'm very uncomfortable with the fact uh, that people are taking too much risk in the marketplace. However, I, I would say, I would caveat that by saying cannabis seems the best value of all of those other places. So as much as I like cannabis, I'm worried that people are taking too much risk in other sectors. Okay. And that sort of uh, culminated, I'll pause here, but that that culminated, you know, that worked all its way up to the end of the year and the election, um, and then kind of going into, you know, the Georgia um, Senate, right? And then, and then suddenly it looked like, hey, uh, things might all change, we might get legalization, we might get uplisting, like, you know, who knows? It Mm -hmm. all suddenly seemed like it was going to happen quickly. Yeah, I agree with you. And, you know, you you have been saying that quite a bit about uh, people taking on too much risk. Um, In your your timeline right now, that's what we're about? January, we're like mid-Jan, sort of, you know, the the Senate has flipped. Like Biden's in office, et cetera. Mm -hmm. Um, Our favorite person in the world, Mitch McConnell's gone. Yeah, that's right. (laughs) I mean, he's, you know, still alive, but he's, you know, not, yeah, yeah. not speaker of the House. I'm oh, sorry, not yeah. uh, Senate Majority Leader anymore. Yeah, exactly. Um, and then we went on probably the biggest bull run of our lives. Right. And so let's talk about that. So uh, the Senate flips, cannabis companies have a huge amount of interest, uh, but sector specific, right? Like our sector was getting a lot of love uh, after already, you know, doing pretty well. So it was it was just a massive uh, capital raising um, event we saw, I don't even know, like over a billion dollars raised, and something really weird happened. Abby, I don't know if you remember this in January uh, timeframe. A company would have a huge capital raise, and normally when you have a big capital raise, your stock goes down, right? It trades mm-hmm. down. Uh, it would have a huge capital raise, and the stocks would keep going. Yeah, <clears throat> yeah. And the I idea, knew. sorry, go ahead. No, no, I was gonna say, go ahead. I was gonna say the idea was. Oh my God! Terrasend was able to attract, you know, however oh, I don't remember what it was, like 150 million. Uh, now they're cashed up. This is a great company. They got institutional interest. Uh, you know, on we go. Right, 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 right. Um, that was extremely weird. However, though, a very key impo- uh, part to that was building up all up to that whole of that whole February run, right? <clears throat> 
we had about well, a year and a, a little less than a year of just irrational market behavior, insane cheap money. We had people locked in, retail eyeballs mm-hmm. on the stock. <clears throat> and you and I, sorry, just give me one second here. My throat's a little parched. Sorry about that. And so um, we had a, like retail eyeballs glued into this, uh, on, onto the screen. And mm-hmm. you and I have talked about this a little bit, but there's something called promotion in this industry where mm. uh, you get uh, a lot of people going into like, well, this is inorganic, right? This, these are paid for advertisements. They mm-hmm. go into threads like Reddit weed stocks. They're, they may not be, it might be a throwaway account. Then they start promoting their stock. They, and what I mean by that is they write like, oh, hey guys, check this out. This is like a really cool stock. And then, you know, put the ticker in and they may have never posted anything before. And they do that across multiple channels. You start seeing it quite a bit. Um, you start seeing the same, you know, CEOs popping up in podcasts, right? You start seeing like, there's many ways it manifests basically is, is your point. It's paid promotion where uh, it gets pushed onto people. And then there's a sort of a buzz that starts about XYZ company. Right, exactly. And then eventually like legitimate influencers will be like, oh, like what is this company? They'll start looking at it. They might like it. You never know, right? And so it, it shows up in, in communities that you're, that you, that you might be a part of. Um, and like the weed, Reddit weed stocks is a big one. There was, that, that's like a, a really robust community of people who mm-hmm. are pretty active. Mm-hmm. And so if and, somebody can mm-hmm. go ahead, no, no, keep going. I was going to say, if somebody can infiltrate that um, and make their post look organic, you know, somebody who's new to the form might just be like, Oh, okay. Well, this is like, you know, this is a pretty legitimate form. I'm going to start, start looking at this and they'll start seeing the same ticker over and over and over again. Right. This is something that like is companies spend like millions of dollars doing. Mm-hmm. Right. And we kind of saw that happen. We saw promotion in, um, in uh, what do you call it? In 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 social media, I'm, I'm laughing right now because there was one. Oh my god, it was it was a meme account that I saw, and they just gradually. It was Trust Fund Terry, and he like I'm not saying I'm not saying they were promoting it, but they posted something being like we're on the height of the market, and it was a, like an Instagram reel, and you clicked on it, and it was called Big Stock Tips, and it was a very attractive female with you know. <clears throat> big stock tips and <laughs> and she would talk about stock picks and i just remember thinking to myself i'm like oh my god like why would anybody like listen to this and then all of a sudden you see the stocks that they're promoting or that that show up on here are going on crazy runs mm-hmm. and so it was working and so we saw an insane amount of ad spend kind of happen during that time and sorry let, let's dig into what you just said there because this is actually a point about psychology and, and how the market works in general, not just cannabis, but every every market, but especially retail dominated. What happens when there's promotion um, and it starts working and the stock starts running? What do you mean? Like in terms of like what, what are the results? Like it is a fortuitous cycle is my point. Well, this, this is what, what I've seen happen. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, Hey, Manish, you should look at XYZ stock. Ah, oh, whatever, Abby, I'll take a look at it. Oh, mm-hmm. Manish, you should look at XYZ stock. It's up 50%. Ah, uh, whoa, that's pretty cool. Oh, Manish, just so you, day three goes by. Manish, just so you know, XYZ uh, stock is up double from where I told you. Hey, Abby, I'm going to go buy XYZ stock. Then right, you go or, or, hey, Abby, what's the next XYZ stock? Yes. I think right. I missed this one. What's the next one? Right. Hey, exactly. this guy, Abby, really knows what he's talking about, right? The last two stock picks he had went up 50%. Exactly. And and then that happens quite a bit. Now imagine, you know, you have a megaphone and you're sort of touting this track record being like, oh, this is what I invested in. This is what I invested in. It, it just sort of just generates it. Actually, I can't remember who it was who was saying this, but um, it was something that I read a long time ago. And it was basically, imagine you're at a craps table, right? 
And you, if you put down like a, like a $10,000 chip marker and you start winning, you're the only person at the table, but you start winning in this craps game, you're going to start attracting more and more people from the mm. excitement and whatever. And it happens all the time on casino floors. And they were drawing the parallels between that and stock investing. He's like, and it's the exact same thing. When you start seeing all this positive momentum happen, it's just easier and easier and easier for people to start purchasing your stock or buying right. in. Right, right. So, so what you're saying is, is, you know, great. So, so this is important to understand that this was kicking in, you know, this is one factor. We're not trying to say this is everything, but, and by the way, typically, you know, we talk about promotion, we're not talking about, you know, more of the more legitimate companies. Usually this works better on small, you know, more like it works better on stories. Yeah, for sure. But I also mean small market cap companies with, with tiny, you know, because it's easier to push these things around. It's easier to go up 50% when you're a $50 million company. Right for to, sure. For you know, Cureleaf to go up fifty percent, they can spend all the money in the world on promotion. It ain't gonna happen, right? Because right. there's so many billions of dollars that need to funnel in behind it, right? I mean, so, Tesla was pretty successful at doing it, right? So it's like like large cap is not out of the question, but right, I wouldn't call that stock promotion right. though. <clears throat> I know it wasn't. It wasn't. No, no, Tesla's not. Sorry, Tesla. Yeah, Tesla's yeah. an actual company. Tesla's but, not on big stock tips, right? <laughs> they're not. They're not <laughs> <laughs> oh bad. Yeah, no. Okay. Funny. But to, here's a point where it relates back to the story. So all of this is going on. Okay. People are doing really well. If you remember, we were saying, guys, if you started investing in 2020 in cannabis, you've had a blessed investing career. And the reason we say that is because nothing is really new. When we talk about the mistakes that retail investors have made, it's because we have made them personally. And I was here in 2017 when I put some money into the market. And by 2018, I was a genius and I made a ton of money. And by the end of 2019, I'd given back a lot of the money. Right. Okay. Mm -hmm. And it's because I, you know, we learned about the volatility of the market and how quickly things can change. So that was a kind of a warning. But, you know, when you're making money, no one cares. Right. And then this all culminated in the craziness that was GameStop. And if we remember, GameStop was, you know, the, the idea was uh, a short squeeze. And mm -hmm. when that happened, it brought in a ton of attention and retail attention. And suddenly there were images going around being circulated of what are the most shorted stocks. Let's go after all of them. Let's gang right. up together and let's, you know, buy up and cause short squeezes on the most shorted stocks. And, and keep in mind, keep in mind when all this is going on, Bitcoin is also going on a run. Yeah, great point. Like everything is on full cylinders. Totally, like, totally. Let's put the money in the market now. You can't lose. Like right, everything's exactly. going up. Even, and go ahead. I was going to say, this is a, a quote, uh, one of my uh, retail friends had said, like one of my retail investor friends had, had said to me, and I found it absolutely hilarious. And he was putting like 40% 40, 40 of his portfolio was going into some of these, these names. And I was like, this is absolutely insane. Why are you doing this? And his rationale was like, well, I look at portfolio managers and they and you look at their holdings and their holdings are sometimes 30 40% of their portfolio. In my head, I'm just trying to think, I'm like, man, it's not because they like the reason why a portfolio manager's position is up 30 40% of their portfolio is because it's up 10 times from when that person entered, not because he took a big swing. Or she hmm. took a big swing, hmm. you know, and it took a long time for him to realize that. Um, but anyways, he, he actually did pretty well. So I'm <laughs> kicking my foot. Abby's taking tips from him now. So. Yeah, exactly. Now, now he's my money manager. You know, he's like, <laughs> well, he so, did. He actually did do well. He, he, he got into the GameStop thing and he put a lot of money into it. So, 
Well, and, and so this is, you know, to, to the point about the to the point about craps in the casino. And remember, Alan Broxton had a great metaphor that we've borrowed many times, which is that cannabis is one table at the casino. And that, that's a, a great metaphor for many reasons, but really because you can sort of draw that out. Uh, you know, it's not just about us being at a casino table. It's the fact that we're we are in a casino, period. And mm-hmm. every different um, sector represents a different table. But the key point is people go to the casino for the excitement and the market had become that kind of exciting casino mentality where people are getting used to making money and a lot of money and making it quickly. And when somebody, a lot of times what I've seen is what happens is like when I first invested in cannabis, you know, I, I put, um, you know, a good amount of money in, but not my entire, you know, bankroll. I put, let's say a fifth of it in, right. Cause I said, okay, I can afford to lose this. And then when that went 5X in six months, I was like, oh my, you know what, Abby, you know, the classic thing you say next is, why didn't I, I do all you, of it? Oh, I was going to say, I don't know how you guys do this nine to five stuff anymore. You know? <laughs> <laughs> That's what I always hear. <laughs> but yes, you're right. I should have bought more. It's always that's, I should have bought that's more. Exactly, right? And that is a gambler mentality. Oh, I should have put all of it in. Next I, time. I, yeah. I Next think that's everybody's mentality. It. Anytime you have a big win, you're like, oh, you know, I should have just put no money into the losers and put them all in this one. Yeah, so exactly. Better, right? Exactly. Exactly. So and romanticizing. And, exactly. And so and then often because the amount, the absolute amount of money you make is is significant, you mm-hmm. go, Holy crap, I just made three months salary on this yeah. one pick. So then people go and and remember they're sitting at home, they go, okay, well, let's dedicate time to the picks. Right. Let's let's all get together on, you know, whatever, uh, something after hours or on the weekends. People aren't out partying. I mean, there's no partying during covid, but they're they're not hanging out with their friends or their spouse. They're like sitting at home on Reddit looking up, you know, the the crazy the esoteric pick. penny stock yeah. and they're then they also get promoted to. Right. That's like the prime person to promote to. Right. Absolutely. Absolutely. So, so all of this is to say is to understand where we're coming from. That's why it's important, because uh a lot of people got caught up in this hype. We certainly got caught up in the hype. I'm not going to tell you I didn't buy any stocks in February. I did. I totally did. But I kept cash and I was more cautious because partly because I just had read Howard Marks's book, Mastering the Market Cycle. And he talked about you have you can never know exactly where you are, but you can have some sense of how the market is behaving. Is it rational or irrational? And mm-hmm. all signs were pointing to irrationality. And so Sorry, go back. Go back to GameStop. The the we're gonna go after shorts. Um, so they put up a what are the most heavily shorted stocks, and that started that those images started going around. Right, and a lot of them were Canadian LPs, Aurora, uh, Canopy, Afria. These were Tilray. These were heavily shorted stocks. So they got bought up like crazy. Mm-hmm. And if you look at a chart of Tilray, right, it spiked you know, from I think like 10 bucks to 15 to 20 to 30 to 64, all in the course of like two or three weeks. Right, right. And I remember somebody posting online saying, oh my God, I held Tilray at 10 bucks. I sold it at 18. And now I have like the biggest pit in my stomach watching it go above 30. I can't, I, you know, like this person needed like, like help, you know what I mean? And so you see posts like that. And that's like, that is the, what gives people FOMO? Because we said this a long time ago, FOMO is really the fear the fear of future regret. 
Mm-hmm. I'm going to do something today or not do something today. And later on, I'm going to have severe regret about it. For sure. For right? sure. So this is the setup. This is the crazy hype filled setup, um, which is about six months you know, from now, six months ago. That is part of the reason we are where we are today. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, and you, you said you said one thing there, and I just want to kind of go back into it. And you said, you know, you were involved in you were buying some stocks in February, but were you selling stocks in February? Because what I found was when I talked to a lot of people, it was tough to convince someone to take profits. Mm-hmm. It was very difficult to do that. Well, this is the thing about the psychology, right? Is like when things are going up, especially when they're going up quickly, <laughs> they look like they're going to keep going up, right? And you sell some today. And it goes up 20%. You go, oh, man. Yeah. I'm such an idiot. Right? And you sell a little more. It goes up another 20%. Then you stop selling, right? Then you're like, oh, my God. Uh, but to answer your question, I was. I, I really was, you know, and I was really worried about what was happening. So the the benefit of all this is that, you know, sort of the dogs of the portfolio, they got some love too. Mm-hmm. And so that was a good chance to clear a lot of those guys out. And I did. Yeah, yeah. I added I added a couple more dogs during. Yeah, I sold you mine. <laughs> yeah. Well, no, I have one line item that you know I I'm just not going to sell it. I know the capital is better allocated elsewhere, but uh-huh. like I'm keeping like ten shares or some something really nominal. Yeah. And I'm going to keep that forever. I'm never getting rid of that position. And uh-huh. It's just to remind me of like, don't get promoted. Oh, of the mistakes you've made. Yeah. Yeah. I like the that. The biggest That's... one. The biggest one. And it I was, like that. It was literally in mid, or sorry, third week of March that I entered this position. Uh-huh. Um, I don't know. I, 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 I won't give real numbers, but I, 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 like, let's say I bought it at 10 cents. It went down to three cents within a week or a week and a half. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. And I just didn't sell it because I was like, oh, it's going to come back. And now it's just been flat. No trading volume. <laughs> it's brutal. But I'm going to keep that. Good. Well, you live and learn, right? Yeah. But this is this is the point, right? Is that one of the things that I've I've noticed in this industry, which is what makes it so difficult, is that you have this this very potent combination, especially at that time, of inexperienced investors who haven't learned before, who you know come in when the when when the market's really blasting off, and they don't have any context, so they don't realize that this is not normal. Well, they enter because the market is blasting off. They enter because the market's exactly it's right. can't lose time, right? Exactly. And, but the the signs are there. Like I, I can't, you know, like if you have the experience and you you are paying attention, the signs are there. Like we did a whole episode, I don't remember what it's called now, but it, it's in around that time frame, and it's about the fact that Canopy re- reported these nonsensical earnings, and and they were terrible, and the the stock was rallying, and um. And uh, oh, I, I forget what the what the thing that was. Oh yeah, the the indicator that this was so unsustainable was that like a I can't remember if it was Aurora or Freya. They were trading um, like a billion dollars a day, which yeah. was like such a giant part of their market cap. Mm-hmm. It was like I guys, this that. this doesn't make any sense, right? So even though you know, uh, I think I remember I bought AYR uh, in February at the time. I was adding to it and even though that was like good value in in comparison you know when the whole market had to cool off it still got hurt yeah absolutely got hurt right? quite a bit so so that's just to say like that's where we're that was the setup that we were coming from and now you layer on top now there's a lot of technical factors in there that you know I'm certainly not an expert in and I won't get into but 
that's the setup. You have to remember that when you remember how we got here. Then things started to turn the other way, right? We went from having all this institutional interest to suddenly, you know, Wasatch starts pummeling stocks to get out, right? So we had, we had, you know, we always talk about uh, things being priced to perfection. When people don't leave any margin of error, there's no, they don't give themselves any wiggle room or to price in any uncertainty. Right. And the market, the system is not designed to help you make good investment decisions. It's designed, you know, these analyst reports are not designed to help you. They're designed to sell the stock and get, you know, every time the stock's hot, they raise the price target and right. they have some crazy, I remember the, the justification for GTI was that it was like 30 times 2023 EBITDA. Which and report now, was this? I mean, it, it doesn't matter which report it right. was, but it was a report that I read. And now we're down to like 14 times 22 EBITDA. You know, like, <laughs> like how the door swings, right? Absolutely. And, and you know what, like that, no, you're 100% right. The market is not designed like the, like the market is the market is the market, right? There's, I don't know if it's designed to do anything. Um, but, but it is there actually, sorry, no, the market is designed for liquidity. That's one thing that I always preach, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. right? It's not there. It, that, that's the whole, whole purpose of it. Um, and so I, I feel that like, you know, analyst reports, for example, you're 100% right. You have to, you, you got to look into them. You can't just look at their price targets. Um, one thing that I would really wish that analyst reports would do, and I, I know they're never going to do that is let you know how many times that analyst has been right or how close he's been, or he or she has been towards that price target. Oh you my God, that. that'd be incredible. You never see that, right? And it's like everybody else, you, you see every portfolio manager's track record, you see everything else. But imagine if an analyst had to mark to market, that would be, uh, That'd be good to see. Well, listen, one of the things too that's interesting is if you actually read the full report and you go to the end, um, the bank has to disclose, uh, you know, they have a yeah, table. Yeah, the position. No, not that, sorry. They, they disclose like their universe of coverage. This is how many buy ratings we have, how many sell ratings, we have, how many hold ratings. Typically what you see is 90 to 95% of all of their reports are buy ratings, right? So if you're an analyst, like you have, you have two decisions, either you like a stock or you love a stock. <laughs> right like you, you yeah. don't write a report to say this is a piece of crap sell it because there's no money to be made in that right exactly exactly right we have to remember like and and look credit to these analysts because they've gotten pretty good there's some really good analyst coverage out there and i'm especially going to give credit to you know your friend andrew simple because i think he does great work but the the reality is you know the analyst business like Analysts are not the rock stars of the industry making, you know, seven or eight figures a year. It's the bankers who make the money, right? And the so the the uh, analyst function, the research function is there to help the bankers bring in eight-figure checks. That's true. And and research is a cost center in a bank. So uh, Obviously, yeah. I mean, they're not making any money on the research. The research exe exists to sell you the equity. Mm -hmm. That's mm -hmm. the only reason it's there. Yeah. Right. So anyway, the, the point just being, there's a lot of reasons why this happens. And you know, we're never getting another analyst back on the podcast, right? <laughs> <laughs> like, they, they're just like, we have hit, like, like we have a target. Now I'm back. surprised they ever come on the podcast <laughs> to begin with. <laughs> okay. Look, so, so that's kind of how we got to where we, where we, you know, that was the setup. And then reality started to creep in, right? Oh, yeah. It turns out that even though, you know, um, uh, Senator Schumer is is in favor of cannabis. The law is not going to be written in 30 days. Surprise. Right. And mm -hmm. even though, you know, all these institutions were buying up the stock, 
you know, the market, the door can swing both ways, right? And a perfect little bookend is Verano caught like the very top of the market. And the Ascend IPO was only, I think, um, maybe two months later. And Ascend caught the tail, like, you know, the, the door had already swung. And so the, the Verano IPO came out red hot and yeah. the Ascend IPO was cold. And if you look at those two charts, the interesting thing is the Verano chart is going straight down. Right. And the Ascend chart has only gone up. So it's just, it's, you know, look, both phenomenal companies and Verano is a monster of a company. Uh, I'm just telling you the market dynamics, right? Like this stock came out too hot and the other stock came out too cheap and has only gone up. So it's it's a really interesting, just the fact that the timing of those two, but this is how the market is, right? This is, this is how it works. So, um, but last point on this is that I actually prefer, and I do a lot better in markets where prices are going down 10 or 20% than when they're going up 10 or 20% a day. I don't know how to behave in markets where things are just shooting upwards. Um, it's a lot easier for me to buy in markets like this. And I actually, honestly, as an investor, prefer it. That's interesting. Yeah, I'm going to challenge you on that because I, I, I'm going to disagree. I think you actually do well when the markets do. Like if you actually look at total return, right? When you've actually mm -hmm. sold, when you've realized profits, mm -hmm. are you not, are you seeing it? Um, like, are you, are you, are you seeing that in February when we had that crazy run up that you were making less money, like you were making, you were realizing less gains than you are, let's say so, something like today, or are your entry points better? Because you probably weren't, you, you, you were buying in February, but you were buying names that you already knew. Like, did you open any yeah. new positions in February? Oh, I mean, I have to go back and look. I'm I'm sure there was a little bit of this and that. But the, the point I'm making is like, you're making a good point, Abby. Well, what do you mean? You're making way more money in February than you are today, right? Yeah. But the, the difference is, it's like, to your point, I didn't, you don't realize those gains. For the most part, you're not, you know, when the market's going up 20% and I'm like, oh, but I really like these companies. I don't know what to do. I'm, I'm kind of deer oh, okay, headlights, gotcha. right? Yeah. Do I sell this thing, even though I believe it has, you know, do I sell this thing pre-uplisting? Right, even though I think it has a lot more room to run, I don't know. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Whereas on the other side of the coin, when it's you know when Verano is getting crushed, um, as you know it has been, as I think probably it will continue. I have I'm terrible at predicting short term, but you know there's a lot of supply and not enough demand. Um, it's easier for me to step in and buy these you know a Verano as it goes lower because mm -hmm. I have a very good feel of the quality of the company, the quality of the management, and the value of the stock. Yeah. Right. And, and I don't have to worry about short term fear. And uh, certainly I worry. I'm not, not telling you I don't, but uh, it, it's easier for me to make those kind of decisions. And, you know, I, I can it can keep going down and I can keep buying. Right. Yeah, like, absolutely. And I and you know what? It's it's a company that's growing. They're profitable and they're self-funding their expansion. Right. So you can justify that in any market, whether mm -hmm. it's whether it's, you know, a bull market or a bear market. Uh, the one thing you and I always talk about is if a company is not profitable, they will always have to tap in to the capital markets to stay afloat. And if their capital markets are not on it during the time where they need the money, that mm -hmm. can be detrimental to the company. Yeah. And the other thing too, is like the, the, the companies that are doing well and are higher quality, they have an M and a advantage when the market cools, like you see, you know, air doing, um, you know, a Nevada deal and, and a Illinois deal at five mm -hmm. times EBITDA, 
right? You see the, I think I can't remember what it was, five or six. And same thing with, with um, Verano. These guys are aggregators. So when the market is soft, it's an advantage for them, right? It's not perfect because they have to issue their stock, which is also cheap, but uh, it's sometimes easier and they're, they get to grow, uh, they get to grow their asset base when things are cheap. When things are really expensive, yes, their stock price goes up too. Uh, but if all of the operators, you know, the private operators suddenly have stars in their eyes and want, you know, three or four times the value, it becomes very difficult. Yeah. Yeah. And act, like, in this industry, your point, Abby, if you're not cash flow positive, which a lot of people are not, most people are not, especially because of 280E, mm-hmm. um, if you don't have that, then, you know, very difficult to survive as an independent private operator. Oh, it's almost impossible. The only way to do it is to tap into the, to, to the market, to raise capital, right? And dilute. Totally. So at some point you go, you know, yeah, I would rather be part of uh, AYR or I would rather be, you know, part of a Verano or a GTI or an Ascend. Like it starts to make more sense for it. So I'm just saying it's Yeah, because not... it trans... Sorry, I was going to say it transitions from the show me story to the... Sorry, the tell me story to the show me story, right? Um that was the a couple of years, a couple, I guess a couple of years ago. Wow, seems like a long time. That was I remember when you and I were talking about that, and I was like, "Yes, you're right, 100. That transition is happening. Um, that was happening on a, on a larger scale. Now we're seeing like, why would we take the risk on a pre-licensed company when we've got companies like Verano who are profitable, right? Totally, totally. So we went from a setup of people taking too much risk to it bubbling over to, and by the way, when it was bubbling over, there was a legitimate positive catalyst, right? Like, oh, we think that we're about to have huge federal change. We have the Senate now. We've got large institutions stepping up to to invest in these companies. And even by the time New York went wreck, the market had kind of soured. Well, you know why? It's because those those catalysts have been around forever. Well, Aside I mean, from New York, right? Rep, yeah, right. No, no, like, yeah, like okay, more and more ahead. states coming online for mm-hmm. sure. Absolutely, as we as we came closer and closer, as we encroached closer to their timelines, of course, it made sense for new entrances to, to do better. New York is a prime example of that. But for example, um, safe more institutional investors states. uplifting states, right? How long has that been going on for? Because you and I were chatting, and I was talking about um, a friend that you and I both know who. I met in Vegas in 2019, December 2019, and he was already fatigued of those four catalysts. And those are still the main four catalysts 18 mm-hmm. months later. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a great point. I mean, the, you hit the nail on the head, right? Fatigue. Like, uh, I was uh, I was in Boston, actually, last week, and we had a great uh, crew of investors and got to do some tours, and it was a phenomenal trip. Um and and hedge fund Steve, you know, got to meet up with him after you know two years, uh, two plus years, and uh, he was you know explaining to someone about his portfolio, and he said, "Look, I've been investing in these you know co- private companies for a while now," and he's like, "Man, I'm just fatigued." <laughs> he's like, "I'm just, <laughs> I'm tired. Like, how much more money can I put into these things?" Right? Yeah, yeah. And and this is a a problem that he pointed out to me back in nineteen. He said, "Look, we have a limited like the the." the attractiveness of the industry is that only certain people can invest and, you know, the big institutions can't, right? That's, that's what makes it, you know, so juicy. Um, but there comes a point to where, you know, we go no mas, like how much more can I put in if I'm not, you know, seeing some, some benefit out of it, 
right? Some sort of liquidity, yeah. Or even you know, to your point, you know, in February you're making huge gains, and you go, I gotta, I gotta go get all the, I gotta check under the couch cushions and you know push more of my chips in, right? But um, you know, when nothing's happening, you're kind of start to lose faith, and you go, okay, like what's gonna happen here? Am I wrong? What did I miss? Like, right? And you start, you know, you go, you start feeling pretty overexposed. Right. And I bet a lot of people right now are probably feeling pretty overexposed. In general or just in cannabis? In cannabis. And this, so thank you for bringing that up. Look at where this is, this is, so let's go, let's shift now to, you know, why actually people should be maybe a little worried, right? And what people should worry about, right? Um, and a big part of this industry, nascent industry, inefficient markets, is that people are making mistakes. There are a lot of mistakes being made. There's not good access to information. People don't even know where to look for the information. And to your point, Abby, I mean, you know, just if we think about broadly, um, it seems like every sector is doing well again, including Bitcoin, except for ours. That's very true. You look at a chart of the SP500, SPY. It is like either straight up or flat. There's barely a dent in the chart. And when there's a dent, we typically, you know, we typically get slapped too. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, but the, the chart has been solid, 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 solid. And that has to concern you if you're worried about, you know, short and medium term price action. Yeah, I mean... I think there is some of that fear in that market in, in the broader markets though, right? But you gotta remember last week the jobs numbers came out and the job numbers were phenomenal. Mm. Like, unemployment is back down to five point four percent. Remember, I think in, in uh, the I, we were at like fifteen at the peak. Yeah, exactly. Right. And you're you're now so you you've now gone back to the part where we've got a supply a labor supply shortage. Mm -hmm. Um basically what that means is that there are more jobs available than people are willing to take. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Right. So it's, um, it's a good problem to have when you can have immigration and you can have sort of um, immigrants come in and sort of fill, fill the jobs that the local citizens don't necessarily want. But right now you can't have that because the borders are closed. Right. 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 Yeah. So like, so, so there is, there is fears out in the market. So like, I, I, I don't know if people are, like, look, the economy is is increasing. I was, I think it was J.P. Morgan was doing this podcast that I was, or not podcast, this call that I was listening to, and um, Dr. David Kelly was saying uh, how the he thinks the inflection is going to happen when all the government subsidies that are sort of they're, they're winding down right now, and this is the time where people are going to stop receiving uh, COVID checks or mm -hmm. whatever they're called. I can't remember what they're called in the mm -hmm. states. Um, and when that stops, what, what, it's like when that happens, depending on whether it's going to be abruptly or whether they're going to wean off slowly, um, he feels that that's going to be very impactful to the economy. And that's where mm -hmm. like, the market should be watching. And when that happens, I mean, you know, cannabis will get hit to your point as well. So, yeah, that, look, that, I, I was talking about the stocks, right? I was talking about how that would affect the stocks. But you, again, actually brought up a really nice point that people have been honing in on this idea of share of wallet, right? And this so this brings me back to. Uh, like this, this idea of what you should you be worried about? Because I think people spend so much time worried about, you know, just short term price action. And, and um, there, there's a, I, you know, a misconception about retail investors, that they don't want to invest the time in the in, into, you know, the industry. And I think that's wrong. I think, you know, for, for example, people who listen to our podcast, uh, you know, you're investing an hour plus of your time, you're also reading like, you're you're in the weeds, right? But what I find is that people are investing their time in a lot of the wrong ways. 
So they like the entertainment. They like the, you know, reading about the price action and the Twitter and this and that and the big reforms, but they're not doing the nitty gritty work. They're not doing, you know, the 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 uh, ground level work of uh, going yeah. and finding out like what's going on state by state, what's going on, you know, with basket sizes, right? And I think there's a lot of good information to be gleaned from that. To your point, Abby, something that seems to be happening is a little bit of margin compression that could just be, you know, noise. Uh, and it seems like maybe there's basket sizes are coming down as share of wallet is going away a little bit. Uh, I mean, I'm talking at retail, right? At mm -hmm. the store level, because maybe people are buying a little a little bit less or in smaller quantities um, than they were before. Not a huge issue, but something to keep an eye on if that, you know, it would not be good if that continued. Yeah. That would be that. That would actually be really bad if that continued. Um, I mean, I, I don't know. I don't know how you would combat something like that, right? Like, there's obviously going to be new entrants that come in uh, into into the sectors, and more states come online. We will see that happen. Um, but yes, that is something that uh, that investors should be should be worried about. And one thing I want to say, and I, I don't know if you were going to touch on this again, was um, we, you you and I were chatting about this, but the inefficient market, right, mm -hmm. uh, in cannabis over here. And I think that's what you were sort of getting at. Um, when you were saying that investors are spending the time, but they're not allocating it as efficiently as they possibly could, mm -hmm. right? Um, and that goes back to, I would say, not knowing where to look. Yes. Right? It's very difficult. It's even like, look, you and I were talking about today, you put me onto a new website, and I was like, I didn't know this website would have existed. Mm -hmm. right? And, I, and I, I never looked into it. And um, uh, kind of looking at other large large cap sectors or the broader markets, the markets are a little bit more efficient. And what I mean by that is they're a lot more transparent in terms of data that's available, mm -hmm. right? Whereas here in cannabis, um, Florida is like this beacon for information mm -hmm, mm -hmm. versus, I mean, I don't know, like uh, let's use Massachusetts. Yeah, or right? Pennsylvania. Yeah, or very Pennsylvania, opaque. right? Like it's just like, I, I can't remember what state, what state it was, but one state like doesn't even... They might go every quarter. They might go half of like they might go every other quarter. Oh, Pennsylvania barely gives any information. Yeah, yeah, and it's just like it's like okay, like, um, and the only way to get information in Pennsylvania is to actually be in Pennsylvania or know someone who's down there, call the stores, talk to people who are actually doing deals. That's the only way. You have to compile your own spreadsheet. You have to compile your own database, um, and that takes a lot of time. And that you will, and all that information will eventually be reflected in the price. Mm -hmm but it's not going to manifest immediately, right? Well, and, and look, an inefficient market is is like, how again, it's the Howard Marks uh, definition, but he says it's a market where people make mistakes. Just just plain and simple, right? And a simple mistake I see people make all the time is they go, uh, what about this stock? It's only, you know, what about TerraSend? It's only 1.5 billion. And you go, oh, really? Oh, that's kind of interesting. Like that actually sounds pretty interesting. And you look it up and you, it's actually double that. Mm -hmm. And uh, now it's less than that now, but you know, you, they weren't counting you know, the fully diluted share count, which is actually like double <laughs> of what it looks like on Yahoo Finance, right? Beauty, exactly. Or they were going to Yahoo Finance and not to CDAR.com. Exactly, exactly. So like that's an easy example. But another example is, you know, so Florida, for example, has been a booming market. I mean, one of the biggest beneficiaries of COVID, uh, you know, telemedicine, people moving to Florida. Uh, I'll, I'll look, I'll, I'll share the link. I'll post it in the description. Um, you know, I, I track Florida like a hawk, less so, you know, but over the last couple of weeks, I got interested again, just out of curiosity. And, um, you know, there's there's a website basically that you can track dispensary deals. So it's for the patients, really, to see like, hey, what discounts can I get? 
And in the last eight, 10 weeks, there have been crazy discounts in Florida, mostly driven by Cureleaf and Liberty. Um, and they've been discounting their product like crazy. This week, Cureleaf, 40, 50% off the whole store, right? I mean, Liberty's been doing something similar. Um, and, and it's forced kind of Trueleaf's hand. Trueleaf's had to start coming out with some discounts. You know, they're a little more strategic about it. They'll do more of like mix and match, sell a half ounce at a cheap price. Uh, I saw a new one that Columbia Care did, 35% off flour, but you have to spend your entire uh, recommendation. So you get a certain rec, like you get like up to two and a half ounces of flour every 35 days. Um, and uh, sorry, Columbia Care's promotion is, burn the rest of your wreck for the month with us and we'll give you 35% off the flower. <laughs> <laughs> which which then means the patient can't go to any other dispensary for for that time period, right? That's pretty yeah, see, so like that that's interesting. So there is a price war going on in Florida and that's what you should be worried about. Like you that to me that. is worrisome. Now, look, that could just be a seasonal lull. It's like incredibly hot in Florida in the summer. And maybe, you know, when fall comes back in and the winter comes back in, it'll reverse itself, right? But Or, I mean, Florida COVID cases are going up and hospitalizations are going up. I mean, who knows, right? Yeah. Like, all, all, like, the point is, that's what worries me. When people say, oh, my God, is Verano going to go down to, you know, 10 or $12? I go, I don't know, maybe, but I'll buy it, right? Yeah, like, that, that doesn't worry me so much. What worries me is you know, just came from mass. Mass is getting more oversupplied now. You're seeing whole, wholesale prices compress. It's going from an amazing market to a great market. Is it on its way to a good market, right? That's sure. the stuff I worry about. And and, and you want to hear something that's kind of, as you were kind of talking about the Florida promotions and stuff, imagine mm -hmm. if this was, obviously there's advertising restrictions. So I know this when I'm going to give you this, this example. Imagine if this was any other sector, if Best Buy was having a 50% off everything sale. Mm -hmm, that mm -hmm. would be everywhere, right? Let's say they couldn't advertise, but all your friends would know about it. Uh, or any store, for example, would, would you you would hear about it. You'd hear about it somehow through the grapevines. Mm -hmm. um, we're only I'm only hearing about it through you. You heard about it because through this website that somebody mm -hmm. has aggregated all the information, and that's like a pretty um, like pretty small website. It's not like totally. It's no, tiny. Yeah. yeah, everyone I've shown it to in the industry has been like, I didn't even know this existed. Yeah, absolutely, right. Um, and, and that's where that inefficiency kind of comes in from that I was saying is that true, uh, right? Is that no, uh, yes, we all have the same access to all the same information. I can go on that website now that you've sort of told me about it, but there's really no way of me. There's, there's no clear path in, on how I get to that website without knowing someone like you. Right. And I, again, I find it by dumb luck, right? Stumbling upon it. Right. So it's like, it, it, it I mean, is that's a... how I figure you live your life. <laughs> I've known you for a while. <laughs> Always better to be lucky than good, right? Yeah, that's true. That's true. So, so look, I, that's, that's a, it's a great point that like, that is, you know, the, the gift and curse of this industry. It's like the information's not readily there, easy at your fingertips. But I mean, think about like over, you know, I can't remember now, maybe let's say two years ago, nobody was even looking at the OMMU data. It was incredible. Yeah. Like you could see every quarter that truly was going to smash it and they would have this huge quarter. And everyone would be like, how the, how did they do that? And you're like, it's all there. It's all being reported weekly. So it was incredible to see how long it took people to catch on to that, uh, which kind of gave me the, the, you know, the light bulb moment of like, oh my God, you can really see ahead of the curve. And 
you really worry about what you don't know, which is good. You should worry about that. You should always be digging for that. Um, but use that use that energy productively. Use that energy to actually learn more about reading financials, reading a balance sheet, um, you, you know, doing your own independent thinking. And Abby, which is getting back to the idea of you know promotion and 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 you know stocks shooting up, um, when something is really, I, I think one of the one of the inefficiencies I've seen, people don't know what to think. They don't know if something is good or bad. So they will look to the market to tell them, like if earnings come out and the stock goes down, mm-hmm. then people go, oh my God, why is it going down? And then someone will volunteer, well, this is a negative, you know, some negative information and people will latch on to the negative information. And, and the, but the, the reverse is totally true. You know, if, if the stock is going up, you say, well, why is it going up? And you say, well, here's the positive information. So it's a self-fulfilling prophecy. I, well, sorry, I was, I was going to say, I don't yeah. think people ask why the stock is going up as much as they should. You're right, but I do think they do ask. I, I do think people go, why is it? And then they get told about X, Y, Z, and mm-hmm. then they get really excited. I, I, I have seen that, right? They don't, right. they don't ask as critically because they want it to keep going up. Um, but usually when it goes down, people get really scared and then they dig in, right? Right, uh, right? But my point is just that the positive and negative is always there. Just because something goes up doesn't mean it's all good. Just because something goes down doesn't mean it's all bad. You have to, as an investor, keep the positive and negative in your mind and try to balance them all the time. Always be looking and digging for it, right? That, that I think, is the, the hallmark of being a good investor, especially in this industry. Yeah, I couldn't agree with you more. So I'll give you another one um, that I've seen floating around, which is like a real risk. And uh, that's the, you know, these guys, the canalists who do these like, you know, deep dive on financials. And I, I don't know these guys super well, but uh, there's like some weird like Twitter war brewing <laughs> between these guys and the MSO gang. And what is this? The who, who's, who's the, the canalists? They're like cannabis analysts. Okay. Uh, and again, I, I don't know them very well, but like I've I've referenced before, like, uh, you know, they make some interesting points about what if cannabis is regulated like alcohol? What does that mean for taxation, um, interstate commerce, vertical integration? And, and look, they're just pointing out and, and you know, asking questions and, and, you know, maybe a little aggressively, but they're saying, look, what about these possibilities? And people get so upset about it. Like, oh, you know, like, and I'm like, guys, just chill out. Like, let's, let's look at it. Like, I personally think they have some good points. Like, I think that if you have federal legalization, you're going to have interstate commerce. Like, mm-hmm. it's just mm-hmm. going to happen. It's it's unconstitutional to not have interstate commerce um, if you have full legalization. But it'll probably take years to get challenged in court and figured out. Like, it's it's not necessarily the end of the world, but you should be aware of it. And if even if it's not going to happen, you should at least be aware of the risk of it happening. So for sure. I think these are things people should spend a little bit of time on. And next time the market gets hot again, and I'm <laughs> betting a lot of money it will get hot again, uh, these are the things you should think about. These are why you should demand a margin of safety. And mm-hmm. this is this is why you know you should be more careful when you're investing your money, even in a good market. For sure, for sure. And the and these are all very important things and they are raising some 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 valid concerns, I would say. Um but one thing that um I would really say is if we do get 
let's say if there's even like talk of federal legalization, mm-hmm. you'll see that rally happen. But it like those questions that are going to be raised, I think will be reflected in the stock prices, right? Like we saw that kind of happen with like, you know, the whole uh, buy the rumor, sell the news type event. Okay. We saw that happen with Canada, right? Canada was like, oh, it's going to go legal. It's going to go legal. It's going to go legal. Stocks ran up. It goes legal. October 2018, stocks come back down. Right. Mm-hmm. And, I, and I think that's going to kind of happen with the whole, you know, this is purely speculation. There's, no, I'm glad we got that on the record. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. There's zero <laughs> thought put into this whatsoever. <laughs> this is a hypothetical scenario going off a Twitter account that I don't own anything about. <laughs> and so what I really think is that, like, you know, I, I do think that um, there, there will be a run up and, and there will be a pullback. And, and it'd be pretty cool to see. And I, and I hope that, uh, you know, I mean, I don't know when that does happen. It, it would be really cool to see, but you're right. You're right. People should always be questioning when, even when the stocks are going up, they should be questioning as well. But sometimes you just, you know, sometimes you want to enjoy the ride, but that, that's true. But that's why you always say take profits. 100%, 100% always take profits. Just have sell discipline. If you have sell discipline, like, yeah, you're never going to catch the top, but you'll never catch the bottom. That, I mean, listen, you, you can't lose money making money. That's what someone said to me once. So it's true. You know, if you take some profits, yeah, you, you might might not catch every penny, but you're not losing money. Yep, exactly. Right? Exactly. So the, the, the point of this episode, to bring it back, is, you know, I, I think people might think of us as, as kind of coming in here and saying, look, the MSOs are great. They're phenomenal companies, which is true. And that's why I've invested so much in them. But I watch these companies like a hawk. <laughs> like, they're not, you can't rely on them to come out and say, hey, you know, pricing is getting crushed in Florida, right? I, I have to go find that information myself. And, and I develop a thesis around that. And I might say, mm-hmm. okay, how is this going to affect, you know, how I look at, you know, next quarter, next year going forward? What does this mean for the industry? Is this kind of, you know, is this supply equilibrium going to show up in mass? Is it going to show up in Illinois? Like, these are things that I'm always trying to figure out. I don't have a good answer to most of these things. Like, this is all a work in progress. If, well, you, you also, in order to get any of that, uh, any of your questions answered, like especially the supply equilibrium, you have to go and manually track that data. That data is not available. It's not like you can go on FactSet, Capital IQ, or Bloomberg and pull up, oh, let me see what cannabis sales are looking like, mm-hmm. by, like you know, last quarter. That, mm-hmm. that, yeah. that information isn't there. It's yeah, only, and, mm-hmm. sorry, go ahead. I was going to well, say it's e- only in your spreadsheet. But. Well, even the companies who, who do track it, like BDSA and Headset and stuff, like it's not perfect, right? And those companies do a great job, but mm-hmm. it's... It, it has to be recorded from, you know, I don't even know how they do it, honestly, but it's, it, it still is, you know, incomplete data and it's extrapolated, right? right? Exactly. It, unless you have the Florida data, which is like perfect volume, although you can't see the pricing, right? And, and I think that might be an inefficiency too. I think some of these companies have figured out that if we push heavy, heavy volume, um, investors like it because they yeah. see our OMMU numbers go up. Um, and then when the discounting stops, that they drop the next week, right? So it's like... <laughs> So like, you, you know, you, that's why I'm saying, um, you have to pay attention to the ground level data. You have to see what's going on. Look, overall, these companies are doing phenomenally well. Like these earnings reports, uh, like it really is a great time to be a cannabis investor and look at these earnings reports. Uh, but you really have to do your DD. You have to dig in, you have to learn. Uh, the good news is there's no better way to learn than to lose a ton of money. So, <laughs> so me and Abby should be pretty knowledgeable by now. Yeah, geez. I wish. Unfortunately, we haven't lost enough. <laughs> so we'll we'll 
uh, close it off here with um, um, a question. And uh, this is a question that actually actually came in a while ago. Um, so I, I apologize. But, you know, sometimes they kind of sit until it's the right time to talk about them. Uh, but this is from Jason, uh, Jason P. And uh, Jason's question basically is he's talking about, um, you know, look, it, it, let's say we don't get federal legalization or let's say it gets delayed. Uh, and these companies just keep making more and more money, right? The, the GTIs of the world are just printing money, H- having great quarters, you know, going from a billion dollars of sales to two billion, making money hand over fist. Uh, like, can we just get into a scenario where these companies are crazy cheap? They trade on the OTC and just nobody cares. You know, there's amazing earnings and they're just, just you know, three, four, five times EBITDA and, um, you know, nothing happens. And, and theoretically, you're like loading a spring where the, the pressure is kind of building and one day it's going to pop. Mm-hmm. Um, but until uplisting, you know, it's just it's just a really cheap OTC stock. Uh, so so I'll, I'll go first. Look, anything can happen. Uh, it's certainly possible. Uh, I can tell you the good news is um, there's a lot of uh, more sophisticated interest in the space. And Already, we trade, I'd say, cheaply compared to other growth sectors. Um, but 280 is a real burden, at, at even at these multiples. Uh, and however, the debt capital markets are, are flowing for these guys. So if there is, if you're really in a world where they trade at that cheap of EBITDA multiples, I mean, you know, they can take on debt and start buying up and keep aggregating the way they are, right? I mean, they're, they're buying other companies at five times EBITDA, right? Uh However, I, I guess, you know, if, if you sort of think big picture about this, um, in terms of like where the industry is headed, I, I don't see this as being that big of a concern, honestly. Like at a certain price point, you got to remember, oh, sorry, there was, there was something I forgot to mention earlier in here. Um, and, and I give a lot of respect to Alan Broxine for pointing this out uh, and, and putting a spotlight on this. A lot of the NASDAQ listed companies are now saying, screw it, we got to find a way to get in the US. And they're showing up with checkbooks to invest. So mm-hmm. somebody with, uh, if you have such a disconnect between price and, and uh, EBITDA, which you, you already do, but if it gets like even worse, uh, at some point, companies will put money behind it. And so you saw today, Scott's miracle Grow is putting money into Canopy Rivers, which is a little confusing, but they're going to go out and do something. You saw Kronos put money into... Um, you know, Pharmacan, which is really Altria, uh, sorry, Altria is Kronos, which put money into Pharmacan. Um, you know, Canopy owns Acreage theoretically. So you're going to see more of those types of deals and Tilray's gearing up to do it. Scott's Miracle Grow is gearing up to do it. Uh, they're not the only ones, right? There's, there's other companies that are licking their lips ready to go. So, uh, even at today's prices, I, I think we're going to see more of that. Um, I would give you an alternative scenario, JP, which is that, what if this pricing competition that we're seeing in Florida, what if that starts permeating the longer this takes? And what if we start seeing margin compression in more of the limited license states mm-hmm. and we start seeing pricing wars in those states and we're on the OTC so long that the margins start going the other way and they go from being amazing businesses to good businesses? Uh, that to me is more concerning than, uh, than trading it four times EBITDA. I don't think that's going to happen. Yeah, wow, that's um, <clears throat> that's a that's a lot to unravel. So let me let me just like, you know, you painted a very rosy picture, and then you kind of just... 
<laughs> and I beat you over the head with the club. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. So um, let me find my will to live before I answer this. Uh, <laughs> but so just to, just to make sure I understand the question correctly, it's just, hey, listen, the US companies that we have, they just stay on the OTC forever. Investors lose interest. They continue to improve, but because there's a lack of capital, they start to decline. Exactly. What if? What if, right. Um, well, one good thing is that there's a whole other class of investors called value investors <laughs> <laughs> who, believe it or not, still exist. Um, I think Manish is one of those people. Um, so a, a value investor will pick it up, right? If like at the end of the day, if the underlying assets are significantly more attractive than the price, why wouldn't you buy the business? Yeah. Yeah, and and um, you, you know, anyone who's interested, I, I really recommend you pick up um, this book, uh, Cable Cowboy. Uh, I think it's called Cable Cowboy, which is uh, the John Malone story. And uh, John Malone went around uh, doing this in uh, decades ago. Now I can't remember the decade, but for for decades, these cable companies they traded at um, really steep val- uh, discounts, mm-hmm. and the reason was because uh, when they like the big metric was net income. And they didn't have any net income because they had very high depreciation. So Malone's theory was, look, I don't, I don't want to pay any tax. So I'm going to run around buying as much as I can at these, you know, phenomenal multiples. And I'm going to roll up all these assets and I'm going to have huge cash flow, but I'm going to have no net income. Okay. So, so great cash flow, but it would all be depreciated, which is, you know, Mm non-cash. So great cash flow, no net income. And the street, Wall Street just didn't love it. They didn't like it. Um, and I don't think he ever paid a dividend. So, you know, these are why they, why they didn't like it. And so I think he actually popularized EBITDA because he said, look, no, you have to normalize it. If you look at our earnings before depreciation, actually we're, we're doing great. Right. So basically he had free reign, you know, the industry had free reign to go roll up assets for, for years and years and decades and decades and build a gigantic moat before it finally got appreciated. And, right. you know, the, the share price was a rocket ship um, is the long and short of this. And it, it really is interesting to read that and think about our industry and see the parallels and, and how long things can be disconnected for. Um, and I don't think it'll take decades, by the way, like this is a sexy industry. Uh, but all I'm saying is crazy things can happen. Uh, value investors welcome buying heavy cash flowing cheap businesses. For sure, exactly, and 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 I think they will step in. So I mean, like that scenario, it's it's. But you know what, um, uh, JP, that's the way to be thinking. You know, you're really thinking outside of the box mm-hmm. uh, by thinking about a question like that. Totally. Um, and you know, that's like you're you're being like courageously curious, essentially, by uh, by 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 putting that hat on and looking at it from that perspective. And um, if you do that, you know, you'll you'll be a wildly successful investor. I think. Wow, well, you already are. well listen what a great way to end guys be courageously curious ask tough questions of yourselves be open-minded to what's going on out there do the hard work do the digging uh feel free to send us emails cinpodcast at gmail.com until next time This podcast is a general communication and entertainment being provided for informational purposes only. It is educational in nature and not designed to be a recommendation for any specific investment product, strategy, plan, feature, or other purposes. Any examples used in this podcast are generic, hypothetical, and for entertainment purposes only. None of Cannabis Investing Network or its affiliates are suggesting that the listener or any other person take a specific course of action or any action at all. 
Communications such as this are not impartial and are provided in connection with advertising and marketing of products and services. Prior to making any investment or financial decision, an investor should seek individualized advice from, from a personal financial, legal, tax, and other professional advisor that take into account all of the particular facts and circumstances for an investor's own situation. By listening to this communication, you agree with the intended purpose described earlier. Opinions and statements of financial market trends that are based on current market conditions constitute our judgment and are subject to change without notice. We believe the information provided here is reliable, but should not be assumed to be accurate or complete. The views and st strategies described may not be suitable for all investors.